welcome to Glass Onion Minute. I'm your host, Nate Rinley. I'm back again. My guest again, it's Brian Lynch. What's up, Brian? Oh, always a pleasure to be here. I feel like this is going to be another short one, because the only thing that happens is something we can't talk about until tomorrow. That's what she said. This is minute number 64. <laughs> Our minute starts at one hour, three minutes, and finishes at one hour, three minutes, 59 seconds. Hey, the minute begins with Miles continuing to stare at a whiskey tumbler on the carpet. Oh, it's like it's just right there on the carpet. The red carpet's red, and he's looking at it. And it ends with Miles saying, "We're staying right here in this room. I'm keeping you." Dot dot dot. Yes. Uh, so yeah, that was the thing that I wanted to uh, mention yesterday, which is that, of course, the um the reason for the zoom in on the glass is that it's his glass. So whoever poisoned Duke was actually targeting Miles the whole time. Uh, as the uh, situation currently stands, come back tomorrow for more talk on that. Um, because if something killed Duke, it had to have mm -hmm. been poison. And if it's poison, then it could have killed Miles as well, right? Exactly. Uh, I will say that as far as a, um, uh, the visuals of this, you got another dynamite close up on, um, uh, Miles as it's zooming in. And then when it finally does the final close up on the glass, I don't know what they did to make this effect work, but the way that the letters all catch the light as the camera zooms in, it had to be some sort of like a, a moving reflective surface on the other side of it. Right. But, uh, man, the it looks, light it looks glorious. Moving. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it's gorgeous. It's a really good looking, uh, uh, effect. So Miles quote realizes that the glass on the shag carpet that Duke dropped is actually his because it has his name on it in gold. That is, that's your glass, Miles. He, he picked up mine. He picked up mine. He... Okay, also borderline spoilers, but again, I don't think this would be worth bringing up later. But mm -hmm. why... Why do you think Miles decides to take this angle that... Because, because Miles knows what happened already... Yes. In this minute, why do you think Miles would act like someone was trying to poison him? Because mm -hmm. this would all get sorted out in toxicology. Nobody yeah, would what... put pineapple juice in his glass to poison him because that's wouldn't poison him. So I don't understand why he's going for this angle when it would be easier to just do the like, oh, no, he must have been an idiot. And so am I interpreting my, this drink. correctly? Are, are we just uh, going to uh, uh, put the, um, uh, the the spoiler alert on fire right now and just say the thing? Because well, it's hard no. it's hard to dance around. But I will say this is that I'm saying like for how they're acting right now, why is he choosing yeah. to do this right now? Well, as of right now, you know, it's 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 to lead the audience to think he was the target. And actually, this goes back to what I was saying before when the trailer first came out and the the, the discussion was who's going to die and who's going to be the killer because, you know, it's a fun thing to speculate about because in the first movie, uh, who was the killer, of course, was the big mystery. Uh, and even when we thought we knew, it turned out we didn't know. And this movie's playing a very similar game with us at this point. Right. Um, well, the is question like, is wrong. Yeah. But the question you're asking is actually wrong, not the answer. E exactly, exactly. We We do kind of know the answer. We yeah. just don't know what we know the answer to. And so that's what I think is the thing. And I, I do also think that 
you know, and that's our that's our little semi spoiler here is that Miles knows more than he's saying he knows. Um, but, uh, and he, so he he knows. I'll say I'll say this. This is this is how I'll describe it without spoiling, so we can talk about it. Um, this is the thing I do a lot on my show because if we're doing a movie that's like a mystery or something, we try to basically if it's a bad movie, we don't care whether we spoil it or not. But if it's a good movie, we do because we want people to watch it. Um, so. Miles does know more that he's letting on, and he does know, and this is the confirmation, I'm afraid, uh, Duke was the actual target, uh, and he knows this. And so I think the reason he's faking it is that it is to his benefit to look like he was the target, especially after Blanc earlier said, you've given all these people a reason to kill you, uh, and you've given them an opportunity. So I think by acting like he's the, the target, that means he gets the protection of the world's greatest detective. Oh, it's have you ever seen? You're right. I, th- I think I yeah. think I think what he wants is to now blame this on Andy. Yeah. Whatever he so, can do to like, well, and quote yeah. Andy because because exactly. like that's the only thing that really makes sense. But the other thing I was thinking is it's also kind of for the benefit of the audience because they've set mm-hmm. up that like that he would be the target, and so then the audience right. would Precisely. be like wondering who. But like there's for a lot of reasons it doesn't really make sense that he would be like putting this in that context at all or Mm -hmm. maybe he chose to do this because in the last one benoit was already pretty sure that it was like um an investigation that he wants to get the like the spotlight off of him whereas before if he hadn't said that if he was like oh it must have been a freak thing he would have been like yeah who knows or whatever and not worried about it um uh have you seen the murder on the orange express um Um, i i was in the other cabin or or, (laughs) there you go um so in that, the the person who, and again, this it's a mystery, you know who's going to be the victim as soon as you see him. Because um, everybody clearly hates this guy's sight unseen. Now, as the movie goes on, it turns out they have better reasons to hate him than we already thought they did, which, of course, that's the reveal. But at the beginning, he tries to hire Poirot. He's like, I need you to watch my back because someone's trying to kill me. And Poirot says no, and then he dies. Um, and so Blanc, who is very much a Poirot-style detective... Um, you know, he he doesn't have to take cases that don't interest him. Hmm. Um, and so I think that's what Miles is trying to do here. He's trying to convince Blanc that Miles is somebody to be protected at this point. Okay. Um, because he knows that if you can't get the detective on your side, uh, then you've got a target on your head. Um, and that's the case, even though he knows Duke was the real target this time he doesn't want anyone getting any ideas about him. Yeah. So if he can convince Blanc, then he's quote-unquote safe. And I don't want to talk too much about this in case our uh, overlord cuts all of this. (laughs) But, but, okay, so that that makes sense. There's some other things that happen in this minute is uh, everybody is like, oh, Miles, baby, it's us. We We would never kill you or whatever. Oh, come on. Miles. Miles, it's us. Miles, baby, for real? I'll pay you one billion dollars to tell me which one of them tried to kill me. Miles! Also, Duke's phone is still dinging. That's also an important plot point, although not in this minute. The uh, constant, uh, you know, we talked about the lighting before and the way they do the sweeps of the um, lighthouse, which is great. Um, The constant ding swoosh, ding swoosh um, of the Mona Lisa thing closing as soon as a radio signal enters the area um is uh uh that's really great and this is one of the first times it really shows up since the death 
because obviously it was used to create tension in the scene leading up to the death. And now it's like, and it's still happening. And it'll happen even more later. But mm-hmm. we get to see some acting upon acting too. We get to see like a big Edward Norton, like realizing, oh my God, that was my glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a little a little overdone, but it's it's an actor acting as a character act, who's not an actor acting some other way. So totally cool. Uh, like, also, just to do uh, do a quick talk on, um, uh, I, I don't know if it's costuming or what it is, uh, what you would call it, but um, Bertie finds this bizarre patchwork fur blanket. I don't know what it is, but it's it's a fascinating look, and everybody's like sort of like recovering, like like reacting, whatever. And she is just wrapped up so tight in it like a burrito, staring wide-eyed and paranoid at everybody. It's such a great visual. Yeah. He, uh, Miles also, like, really overdoes this so that Birdie will be the one, or someone else will be the one to actually say it, not him. So mm-hmm. he's like, oh, and then she's like, that's your glass, Miles, you know. Exactly. Oh, well, that, uh, and which, that's which, one of the all-time classics. Her, that's... eye makeup when she says that. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's everything. She's glorious in this movie. That rainbow dress she's wearing in this, the scene, I'm sure they talked about it in the previous block of episodes. The the way it shimmers and everything. Oh, they yeah, they knew, they knew exactly what they were doing there. But yeah, no, getting somebody else to say the thing that you want to put into everybody's mind is such a great move if you're... <laughs> So this is the thing that happens with my students, because in sixth grade, we cover ancient Greek theater and we read Medea. Um, And it turns out sixth graders are very good at strategizing on how they would murder people, which is something that, you know, concerns me occasionally. Um, But one of the things they pointed out is that a trick Medea uses very often is that she'll talk casually to somebody and then she'll start crying and then that makes them say, oh, why are you crying? And then she's like, oh, it's because I was thinking of this. But that means she's introducing what she wants to introduce to the conversation, but they think it was their idea. Like, they're the ones that asked. They drew it out. He's very much doing that trick. If he just goes, oh my God, looking at the glass, then he can get somebody else to say, but Miles, that's your glass. And then it looks like they're the one that figured it out, even though he's the one that seeded that into their brains. Yeah, uh, which is which is actually a I I will I will not frequently say that Miles is clever. That is one of the more clever things he does. So it, one of the themes about like there's a lot of uh, things that are not the same between the two Knives Out movies. One of them mm. is is this person that's so that thinks they're so smart that that one of the ways they're going to mm-hmm. get away with it is by getting Benoit like to help them. Yes, and that so is that's so, we, we can spoil you, the previous movie, right? I'll <laughs> so pay like, you a billion dollars to tell you which one of them tried to kill me. That's not mm-hmm. like that's that's not a good idea. But 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 it's because he thinks he's like it's a, an abundance of confidence. Yeah, he knows that whoever the killer is um, wanted Duke, but he if everybody thinks they wanted him, then he's no longer suspicious. Right. So one of the days this week mm-hmm. we're gonna highlight editing. And oh yeah! Boom! It's today because in this scene where he's talking and he says they say that's his glass, Miles' uh, mm-hmm. glass. It shows a flashback to uh, Miles putting his glass down on the table yep. and Duke picking it up. Mm-hmm. This is not what happened earlier in the movie, and the reason yes. I want to mention that first off, it's a flashback, which I 
don't know that we've seen many of so far. Like there's going to be more of that later, but the also because in the original knives out, there's a lot of scenes where it cuts to things happening in the past and they're all accurate. And when you watch Um, the movie the first time, you're not sure that that's going to be the case. Like when people tell things they are right. And like, there's usually camera angles and stuff to like obscure information, but they're not actually giving you bad information. But there's a lot of like, you think it's going to be like a Rashomon or something where everyone's telling a different thing. And it's it's really not the case. Like, mm-hmm. do, you, do you disagree? That- well, I, I slightly disagree because I, I do agree that um, when um, when you see flashbacks to Knives Out, I think, I think the crucial difference is that you are seeing what people are talking. You are seeing the way that they remember it. And in that case, it is rather Rashomon. Now, the fact that their recollections are all reasonably accurate is what makes a difference that they all line up. But there's a particular difference, which is that um, when uh, Linda is describing uh, the uh, birthday, um, it's uh, um, uh, Linda and um, uh, Don Johnson, uh, Richard, uh, took me a second to remember. Mm -hmm. Um, Linda and Richard are right next to Harlan when they put the cake down. Uh, and mm-hmm. then when Walt is describing the story, Walt and Donna are right next to him when they put the cake down. So both of them are describing themselves as the most loving child right at the side of the father. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Whereas there's others. And then likewise, when um, Richard is describing the party, he's like cheerfully calling Marta over to join them. And then when we see that again from her perspective, which is the reality um he's kind of being a dick and then he hands her his dirty plate as if it's her job to clean it up um oh, okay so so yeah. this would be more so, in that subtle realm of yeah so it's, it's not like full-blown rashomon because the thing is in rashomon people are lying um you know like like people are trying to make themselves like actively trying to make themselves look better um ah. whereas in this it's like this is as i remember it um and so when they say oh my god he picked up your glass what we're seeing there is a flashback of of uh, Bertie remembering seeing Duke pick up the glass. Now the right. re and again, this is I'm I'm really worried that <laughs> going to wind up cutting this stuff. It's because that's what Miles wanted her to remember, and that's how memory works. You know, it, it's yeah. it's the 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 Bernstein Bears effect. You know, you can convince yourself you remember something that you don't. Just to and go once- back to talking about my students again, we talk about Twelve Angry Men and. Um, that's the, the one I read with the eighth graders. You know, can the witnesses be reliable? The lady wasn't wearing her glasses when she looked out the window. Now she saw somebody stab somebody. And when she found out the kid across the street was the chief suspect, her brain goes, yeah, it did look like him. And the more she thinks that, the clearer and clearer it becomes until she actually remembers it. Yeah. Um, and that's not, yeah. Yeah. And so and it is her actual really memory, dark. but it's not her, it's not what happened. There's really like dark understandings of that, which I think this is like, you know, but like there's, I've heard there's advice that if you like, like uh, if, if you shoot someone that you should <laughs> yell, drop your gun afterward because it doesn't make any sense. And people will remember you having yelled it before you shot them because it yep. just doesn't, because like to make it logically fit, it will make sense. And they'll go, no, they yelled to drop their gun and then they shot him. But mm-hmm. like they, that's like actual advice to people. Like they're going to do things. Like you should like do the thing that makes it seem like you should have done it before, or after, and like half the people will be wrong and and say yeah. you did it. And and that's uh, yeah. Brains. I think are, he's doing that on purpose here. Brains Miles are is. easy to uh, easy. Uh, there's there's a, an English uh, uh, illusionist uh, called Darren Brown, um, and he he did this this trick where like he would like stop somebody on the street and ask for directions. 
and then somebody would walk in between them holding something and he would swap out with the person who was holding it. So when the thing was gone, they would be talking to somebody completely different and they wouldn't notice because your brain would just go, well, that doesn't make sense. And it fixes itself so that you remember like, oh yeah, I was totally talking to this person. Um, and that's the, uh, the magic of magic is that mm-hmm. it's all the things that brains do that, that are not you can't remember everything and instead you like find these rules that usually work and if you can like slip something in there to like get in between the, the thing that normally works and what actually happened you can yep. you can get a get away with with making people remember completely different things it's like the spot in your eye that you can't see that you're always mm-hmm. like filling in if something's right there you can't see it but if there's any if it's anywhere else you'll see it but you don't think you're not seeing that part of your eye where like the where the retina uh we're like well uh, whatever yeah. wires your brain your uh, i don't know any words but your eye <laughs> wires go in there <laughs> the and stuff. uh and that's why the most important rule of magic is don't do a trick twice because yeah. if you do it twice people's brains will be more under their control and they'll be like okay well this time i'll really look for how he did it you yeah. know, when I am teaching illusion to the stu- uh, stage illusion to the students, you know, I, I don't teach them actual magic spells. Um, that's that's for a different class. But I'll do like a disappearing coin. The divination? What is that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, abjuration, conjuration, illusion. Oh, conjuration. Uh, necromancy, of course. But I'll do like a disappearing coin trick, which is, yeah, here, tell you what, I'm on camera right now. I'll show you right now. I'm going to use a uh, pen cap. Now, this is great audio, of course. Um, but you got right here. Okay, so I'm going to put it in this hand and then... It's gone, right? Now, I if I do that, huh? <laughs> I, sh- I should I shouldn't have chosen a bright low, uh, low refresh rate, and it actually froze right when it. <laughs> so and that's the, not your and fault. that's why the second most person. important rule of magic is don't do it over webcams <laughs> and don't use a bright blue pen cap if you're trying to hide something in your hand. But that's what it is. Is like if you do the trick twice, then they'll be like, "Oh, wait a minute! It was in that one hand the entire time. You just faked it out." But. Yeah. yeah, and this is why I didn't teach Illusion when we were doing uh, Zoom learning during COVID. Um, also, because of course I had gone to that Greek island and Ethan Hawke shot me in the throat. Um, I I I work with like kids under three, and it's mm-hmm. so easy to do magic on them. You don't have oh. no idea. You don't have to be. You don't have to learn anything. You just have to like be kind of quick. <laughs> I did a little bit of basic magic for um, a, a friend's daughter once, and to this day she refers to me. So like my my friend has two friends named Brian. And at one point she mentioned something about her friend, Brian, and her daughter said, is that the, which Brian, is that the real Brian who does tricks? <laughs> and I was like, that, that's just me. I'm the tricky person yeah. to this child for the rest of my life now. I, I am happy that I'm the real one, by the way. That does feel we'll good. See. We'll see. <laughs> Unless, I don't know, the other Brian better pull out something pretty impressive because I taught that kid how to play three card Monty. <laughs> Anything else for this minute? No, I think we're good. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll have exciting stuff to talk about tomorrow when we can stop tap dancing around what Miles knows and what he doesn't. So I'm just gonna silence Duke's phone. We're staying right here in this room. I'm keeping you. Well, what do you want to plug? Uh, well, uh, as I said, I'm flipping back and forth on my plugs. So once again, check out New and a Bit Alarming. It is a podcast about all the various ways that stories can be told twice: remakes, reboots, adaptations. Um, uh, again, currently on hiatus, um, but we are in the middle of um, one of the most curious cases of adaptation ever, the 1993 Super Mario, or 94 rather, uh, Super Mario Brothers movie, hmm. um, which uh, is 
absolutely insane and was made by two people who had no idea what they were doing and Nintendo just let them get along with whatever they wanted because uh, collectively they were like, I don't know, I guess they probably know what they're doing. Uh, and boy, did they wind up with something crazy. Uh, but again, uh, you, you know, we got a little something for everybody on that show. We got some one-off episodes on some things. We got some like 10 or 12 episode miniseries on some things. We're very, very gradually reviewing the entire TV series, Will, the sexy young William Shakespeare show. Um, and then also for a rather convoluted reason, uh, we're also reviewing every live action movie in which Will Friedle, the older brother from Boy Meets World, ever played a lead role. <laughs> Uh, why are we doing this? Like I said, it makes sense in context, but <laughs> actually, you know, listen, I'll tell you, just so you can get an idea of the way our brains work on the show. The first time is because we were talking about movies that um, when two movies with weirdly similar plots come out at the same time, like uh, Volcano and Dante's Peak or Deep Impact and Armageddon or Ants and a Bug's Life. And so we decided to go for one of the more obscure ones, which was Booty Call and Trojan War. <laughs> which are both movies about somebody trying to buy a condom. <laughs> and they came, they came out within like a month of each other. Um, but then after that, we're like, um, we were looking at, and then we we're looking at other Will Friedle things. And then there was my date with the president's daughter, which was very much a, you know, following the leader, like type of movie. And then he's in uh, an adaptation of the opera Griffelkin, uh, but they made it about uh, teenage ice hockey. And he's playing a demon who's like tempting a hockey player. And so, like, all of these movies are like, and listen, I think that guy, he's handsome, he's a good performer, he's got a lot of charisma, I think he could have been a movie star, and I think that just in the very narrow window in which he could have established his career, he just made a bunch of really bad choices. So Take that. We, uh, listen, it's not even to take that, we love the guy, he's one of our favorite Batmans, you know, he was Batman Beyond, um, uh, fant he's a uh, Deadpool and Star-Lord, uh, whenever they show up in animation. So, like, you know, dude's doing all right for himself. But, uh, yeah, his live-action career was brief and baffling. <laughs> uh, and so that's what our show covers. Remakes, reboots, adaptations, the TBS TV series about sexy William Shakespeare, and live-action Will Friedle movies. All and right. It's a real first the teachers, then the firefighters, and so on in that fashion. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. And you can check out the Twitter for this show at Glass Onion Min. It, but Min. Glass Onion Min. M I N. I, I keep waiting for you to finish it. <laughs> I Min. Well, I think I, when you're in like the movie by minute community, Min just means minute, but like it. Oh, so, so, to, so is that, is that an established convention of the, uh, the genre? I think so. But oh, like, so there we go. That makes sense. Do you, uh, listener, do you hear the difference with this? Min? men it's min i you have been nervous about that and, and i have heard min every time okay um but i i think i you know i think it's an accent thing i think it's a regionalism i use speech to text on my phone and so there are some words that i know i pronounce weird because it never gets them right it's like minimum yeah there you go i just want to make it more confusing all right what, why, why are you talking about m&ms <laughs> it's about m&ms last idea of m &Ms.